Hello and welcome to COS Live. You can watch the original video broadcast live on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's COS Live. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of COS Live. I'm Rita Peters. I'm your host tonight. I'm the Senior Vice President for Legislative Affairs with Convention of States Action, and I'm going solo this evening. You know, it was such a busy legislative week for Convention of States last week. We brought you several special editions of COS Live to stream those events last week, with one exception. Producer G was off filming a town hall in Idaho when the Wyoming Senate debated our Article 5 application. So we are going to stream that replay for you today. In case you missed it, on Thursday morning, a Wyoming Senate committee had Mark Meckler back to testify and rebut some allegations made against our movement in a previous hearing. And then the committee voted three to two to advance our resolution. That same evening on Thursday, the Wyoming Senate debated and voted on our resolution on the floor. The vote on that first reading, which was the round where it was actually debated, was 18 in favor, 12 opposed. So we passed the debate round, but we still had two more votes left in the Wyoming Senate to get to final passage in that chamber. On Friday, we passed on second reading by a voice vote with no objections. And then just this afternoon, we achieved final passage in the Wyoming Senate. Now our application will make its way through the House side of the Wyoming legislature for final passage in Wyoming. So the question on everyone's mind is, will Wyoming be the 20th state to join the movement? Stay tuned. Until then, let's watch some history in the making as we catch you up on this debate of the Wyoming Senate on the Convention of States Actions Article 5 application. Senate Joint Resolution 11, Convention of States, sponsored by Senator Larson, a joint resolution requesting Congress to call a convention for proposing amendments to the United States Constitution as specified was referred to committee number seven, which returned a committee recommendation that it do pass. Eyes, Senators Barlow, Boner, and Case. No, Senators Landon and Scott. Senator Case, Chairman. Senator Case. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. I move that when the Committee of the Whole rises to report that it do so with a do pass, do pass recommendation on Senate Joint Resolution 11, Convention of States. For an explanation of the bill and to lead us home and into the fine evening, and not to mention the Corporations Committee meeting, um, uh, I yield to the good Senator from the Bighorn Basin, Senator Larson. Thank you, Senator. Senator Larson. Mr. Chairman, thank you. I'm uh, excited to bring this bill. We've uh, been talking about it for quite a while, three or four years, uh, similar ones like this, but uh, I'll go ahead and go through the bill a little bit and then uh, explain some other stuff. Uh, this is a joint resolution requesting Congress to call a convention for proposing amendments to the United States Constitution as, as specified. Uh, the framers of our Constitution in the United States empowered the state legislators to be guardians of liberty against future abuses of power 
by the federal government. The, government, the federal government has created a crushing national debt through improper and imprudent spending. The federal government has invaded the legitimate roles of the states through the manipulative process of federal mandates, quite often unfunded. The federal government has created or ceased to operate under a proper interpretation of the Constitution. Instead of having a Constitution we can carry in our pocket, it's a book about this thick uh, that uh, judicial rulings have uh, said, now our Constitution is this. And that's not what the founders anticipated. So it is a solemn duty of the states to protect the liberty of the people, particularly the future generations. By proposing amendments to the Constitution through a convention of states under Article 5 for the purpose of restraining the federal government in their abuses of power. So therefore, therefore be it resolved, the legislature of the state of Wyoming hereby applies to Congress under the provisions of Article 5 for the calling of a convention of the several states limited to proposing amendments and the topics will be impose physical restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for federal officials and members of Congress. The legislature of the state of Wyoming adopts the application made under section one of this joint resolution expressly subject to the following reservations and understandings and declarations. An application of the Congress of the United States to call a convention of the several states for the purpose of proposing amendments to the Constitution confirms no power to Congress other than the power to call the convention, the power of Congress to exercise this ministerial duty consists solely of the authority to name a reasonable time and place for the initial meeting of the convention. Congress shall call an amendment convention of the states only upon the receipt of application for substantially same purpose as this application from two-thirds of the states. That's 34. Currently, uh, for this particular one, we're at 19. Congress does not have the power to or authority to determine any rules for the governing of this amendment constitution. Congress does not have the power to set the number of delegates sent by the states, nor does it have the power to name the de delegates of the convention. The power to name the de delegates remains within the, our, the states to decide. By definition, a convention of states to propose amendments to the United States Constitution means that the states shall vote on the basis of one state, one vote. A convention of several states to propose amendments to the Constitution shall be limited to the consideration of the topics specified in this joint resolution and no other. This application is made with respect or express understanding that all 
amendment that any way seeks to amend, modify, or repeal any provision of the Bill of Rights shall not be authorized for consideration in any manner. Pursuant to Article 5 of the United States Constitution, Congress may determine whether proposed amendments shall be ratified by the legislature of several states or by state ratification conventions. In this proposal, uh, we're, we're saying we would recommend that Congress select ratification by the legislature of se several states, which is, has, has been the uh, way that we have done it, uh, all except for one. This application constitutes a continuing application in accordance with Article 5 until the legislatures of at least two-thirds of the several states have made applications on the same subject. And lastly, uh, the Secretary of State, uh, when this is passed, this resolution will send a copy to the President, President of the Senate, Speaker of the House, United uh, of the Congress, and uh, to our Wyoming congressional delegation and to other states, so they know. I did uh, do give you a handout, just so you all had in your hands Article Five, and I'm briefly going to go through uh, through it. In Article Five, it says the Congress, whenever two thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary shall propose amendments to this Constitution. That's the way it's happened all along so far. Every day, they can propose amendments if they can get two-thirds of a vote in each house. Why shouldn't the states be able to do that? We should get together and talk about it. It also says the Congress, on the application of the legislators, legislatures of two-thirds of the several states shall call a convention for proposing amendments. That's all they can do. They can't tell us how we're going to act, how, uh, what the rules will be, who will go, or anything. They can just tell when the date is and where. And then the rest of it says, which, uh, which in either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution, when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions of three-fourths of the states. If you go down a little bit further, the Constitution grants a power to various assemblies, Congress, state legislatures, federal and state conventions are as follows. And I think I've already gone through them, but I'm going to go through them again. It gives authority to two-thirds of each House of Congress to propose amendments. Like I said, every day they can do that. It gives the authority to two-thirds of the state legislatures to make an application for a convention for proposing amendments. It gives the authority to Congress to call the convention. It gives the authority to the convention for proposing amendments. So when you get at this convention, it'll be, uh, it'll be big. It'll be nation. The nation will be watching. Uh, the state that gets it will be uh, going, yeah, there's a lot of money coming in here. All the people will be there to watch. But at that convention, that's where the proposals will, will be made. 
authority of the Congress to decide whether ratification shall be by state legislatures or conventions. Uh, and if Congress selects the former method, authority to the state legislators to ratify it, three-fourths of the states. And, uh, and then also if, uh, if the state legis if it's uh, by ratif ratifying convention. On the back page, I'd like to uh, go to the statutes that we passed in 2017 to uh, limit our delegates when they do go to these conventions. I know this is a big topic for, for many of you and, and of a concern. I don't, quite a few of us were here when we passed this, I think. Uh, item A, no delegate shall have the authority to vote to allow consideration of or to approve an unauthorized amendment for ratification to the United States Constitution. Any delegate shall be directed to vote for procedures and rules mandating that the convention remain a convention of states where each state is represented by one vote. Any vote made in violation of subsection A and B of this section shall be null and void, and the delegate making the vote shall be immediately recalled and replaced. In, sec in part D, it says each delegate shall be required to take the following oath. I think I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. I do solemnly swear to affirm that to the convention, oh wait, to the best of my abilities, I will as a delegate or alternate to an Article 5 convention uphold the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America and Wyoming. I will not vote to allow consideration of or to approve any unauthorized amendment proposed for ratification to the United States Constitution. I understand and accept any penalties that Wyoming law may impose on me for violating this oath. Section E, it says, any delegate who violates the oath shall be guilty of felony punishable by imprisonment for five years or five or a fine not more than $10,000 or both, and shall be ineligible to serve as a delegate, and any certification of the delegate shall be null and void. And then at the end it says, uh, the Secretary of State shall notify the President of the Wyoming Senate and Speaker of the House in writing of the need to assign delegates when we get to the 34 states. The members of the Senate shall elect three members of the Senate to serve as delegates, and the members of the House shall rep, uh, of representatives shall elect three members of the House to serve as delegates. So that gives you an idea of how, how we'll go about that. Hey, uh, and uh, something else here. I've got to find it. I do want to say, uh, as I walk these halls and look at all the old pictures that are out there, I quite often uh, wonder how our forefathers would have dealt with this. And it's interesting to find that uh, our state uh, took this on when they, uh, when they had issues with our federal government and the uh, power they're taking away from us. And uh, they weren't fearful. They uh, 
they jumped right out there and uh, said, we don't like it. And in fact, uh, in 1939, we had a uh, proposed uh, 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 an amendment that we wanted to talk about, or a proposal, on income tax and on the limit of income tax. In 1959, uh, we went to, uh, we, we proposed that we wanted to talk about limiting federal powers. We're kind of doing that right now. Uh, in 1961, we had a balanced budget amendment that they wanted to propose. At that point in time, they knew the federal government was out of control then, spending money. We're $31.5 trillion in debt. Can't even imagine that. That's $31.5 million, million. Don't even know what that is. In 1979, uh, we uh, proposed a balanced budget on, on emergencies. In uh, 1963, uh, we wanted to talk about the Supreme Court and uh, review uh, some of the decisions they had just recently made. And uh, also in 1963, we had a couple other ones. Uh, we wanted to talk about the apportionment of legislatures. Uh, at that point in time, I, I kind of think our, our senators were maybe by county, I'm not sure, but uh, we were, uh, I think that was overruled by a proportion of population, uh, but they wanted to talk about it. Uh, in 1963, they also uh, wanted to talk about how uh, a mode of uh, amendments. And then, then uh, we just, and then in 20, 2009, everybody got fearful and uh, we rescinded all those. Many states did that which is sad. Uh, I don't think it was the right thing to do. Don't be fearful. Uh, but luckily, uh, in 2017, same time we did the Delegate Limitation Act, uh, we proposed that we would go talk about the uh, balanced, balanced budget, our federal budget, uh, and try to try their hands. So with that, I'll sit down and ask for questions and uh, rec uh, hope you'll vote for the uh, for the resolution is well it's so much needed let's uh let's go take control of the uh, federal government that uh, the states formed thank you thank you senator <clears throat> excuse me senator ellis thank you mr chairman just some questions I, when i first got in the legislature i remember the bill that you referenced or the bill that was referenced about some sideboards for the convention of states, but I remember we also passed at the time it was House Joint Resolution Two, which would have called on Congress. I can't remember the details, but it was the balanced budget amendment. And then there was a time in there, I think, where we wiped the slate clean because there were a number of resolutions that had been lingering, and some of them for decades. So um, the legislature, I think, took action to clear the slate. So I think right now we just have the balanced budget resolution floating around out there. So that's my first question. I just want to make sure I understand that correctly. And then the other question is just trying to put a finer point on what's, what these three bullet points entail. I think we can all agree, and I definitely share the concern about spending being completely out of control at the federal level. So when I see imposed federal constraints, I just wanna know what, what's intended. Is it another balanced budget amendment if necessary, or is it something beyond that? Is it a cap on income tax? I think what would lay some of my concerns is having some of this stuff spelled out. Along those lines with term limits, um, you know, I certainly understand the concern, but 
you know, these things are always difficult. If we're gonna call a convention to just have 50 year term limits, I would say, what's the point? If we were to have a convention that said, well, just one term in the Senate, one term in the House, six years, two years, I'd be like, well, that doesn't seem like long enough. So that's the thing that I'm struggling with is just kind of the lack of detail in what is, you know, I've, I've been reading emails from my constituents about this stuff for years. Um, and so again, even on the limit of in power of the federal government, just what exactly? It's the lack of detail that has me anxious about this. And so if someone could just provide some finer points on that, I, I'd appreciate it. Um, but those are my questions. Thank you, Senator. Any further questions or comments, Senator Larson? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. If I get too many questions, I'll forget what I'm supposed to talk about. So appreciate you Let me jump in. But uh, uh, we have rescinded all but the uh, 2017 one. So hopefully that clarifies that. Um, we can't specifically say what, uh, I, obviously it states what we're going to talk about the three topics, and they are broad, but we can't specifically say the language, because if we say specifically what the language is, the other states might not do the same thing. And then uh, Congress may say, well, now we're not all substantially presenting the same proposal, and uh, they may not call the, the, uh, the convention. So that, that is why we're not specifically tying down what those proposals may be. We did have a simulated convention and I was lucky enough to go to it uh, in 2016. And uh, we were only there for a day and a half, I think, to discuss in committees. We were divided up uh, and, and were sent to the uh, certain topics. And here are some of the uh, just short versions of, of some of the ideas that came out. Uh, the public debt shall not be increased except upon a recorded vote of two-thirds of each House of Congress. You know, that might be a good thing to have. At least you'd know how your congressman voted. Uh, and now they probably do it by voice vote, so you wouldn't have a clue. Uh, it talked about term limits on Congress. It didn't say uh, the number of years or anything, and I think that would be something we'd all want to, you know, they'd have to come up with a correct number. All I know, 40 is too many, you know. I think maybe 20 might be too many. So that's a number they'd have to decide when they're there. Another one was uh, limiting federal overreach by returning the Commerce Clause to its original meaning. Uh, another one was limiting the power of federal regulations by uh, giving an easy congressional override. I, uh, I don't know what that would have been. You know, did it require two-thirds of the members to uh, say that regulation wasn't going to take effect? Uh, require a supermajority for federal taxes. And, may, and uh, they'd said repeal the 16th Amendment. Another one was uh, give the states by three-fifths vote uh, to the power to abrogate any federal law, regulation, or executive order. So that was some of the ideas that came out from that. Thank you, Senator. Any more questions for the good Senator? Senator Scott. Mr. Chairman, not questions. Mr. Chairman, 
I'm going to rise on and against this particular measure. Mr. Chairman, I know we are all frustrated by many of the things that are currently happening in Washington, D.C. And we'd like to change what's going on back there. But I suggest to you that, and this, this particular idea is popular because people say if we could just change some of the rules, we could change those things. But we are a very small minority. We're the smallest state population the whole United States. I think we have to be very careful about assuming that something like this is going to turn out fixing the problems that we see with Washington, D.C. right now, because a good part of the rest of the country thinks they aren't problems. And if they didn't think that, we wouldn't have had the results we've had in recent elections. And there are some specific dangers here. Article 5 just says the Congress shall call a convention. It doesn't say anything about who sets the rules under which that convention proceeds, how many delegates there are, whether you vote by states or delegates, or where the convention's going to be. Obviously, if you're going to call a convention, you've got to set some parameters, including when and where it's going to meet. And I am powerfully afraid, Mr. Chairman, that if we this comes at a time when people we don't happen to agree with are in power in Washington, D.C., They may go from just specifying when and where to, okay, the delegates, number of the votes will be by delegate, not by state. The number of delegates will be proportional to the population of the state. That would leave us and some of our brethren outnumbered and marginalized or they might compromise that. You got two houses back there and they might have to compromise. They may say there'd be the same number of delegates as there are electoral votes. That wouldn't be quite as bad for us, Mr. Chairman, but it still would be very likely to produce something very different than what we're hoping for. The original Constitutional Convention worked and succeeded for a couple of reasons. One was the Founding Fathers had a profound understanding of human nature, of how politics in the world really works, and fashioned a document that took into account both human strengths and frailties, and did it in a very masterful fashion. I doubt we would ever be able to duplicate the wisdom that assembled in Philadelphia 
back in 1787, was it? Uh, back Way back then. But also, they had the advantage, Mr. Chairman, if you can call it advantage, but it was politically. The Articles of Confederation were an obvious failure, and everybody knew it had to be changed. We're not an obvious failure. This is the most successful country in the world because our political system is the most successful and it's grounded in the constitution we have right now. Mr. Chairman, I think the ills we have, and we have considerable with what's going on, are best resolved by the political process leading to the next elections. And those will result where our system is structured in compromises they may well be different from what we've got now, I think, but I think that's a much safer way to proceed than to try to rewrite the rules that have made this country the most successful in the world. Mr. Chairman, on and against this bill. Senator Bouchard, and then Senator Case after that. Chairman, <clears throat> I just want to ask some tough questions because Congress actually knew that they could take some power, and in the 70s, they ran legislation called the Federal Constitution C Convention Procedures Act. And when you look at that, I, and I don't think it passed, so that's one thing we can say. I think they, 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 they put it out there. But one of the things to look at would be a state like the... Uh, the live free or die state, which has 400 members in their house. 400 members. And what the struggle here is, do you think a, a, a 400 members in, in that state are gonna send three, you know, to, comparable to our three? Or six, I'm sorry, six, three from each house? I think 400 members in the live, or, live free or die state are probably going to want to send at least 50 people. I can't tell what that formula was they came up with in that legislation, but I, what I will tell you is the Golden State in their formula had 55 delegates. So this, it, it sounds like it's all easy when we start talking, hey, we're going to pick three from the Wyoming House and three from the Wyoming Senate. But these, these people have already thought about this. They've already thought, well, wait a minute, we're not going to let them have the same amount of votes as we have. So that's something that needs to be discussed and how, it, if we even moved forward and they change all those rules, what are we going to do? Go there with six people and try to fight hundreds? So I, that needs to be answered. I mean, that legislation in the 70s, uh, what, what, what has the the mock uh, uh, conventions, what have they talked about? What, how Congress will regulate the, the amount of delegates that will get picked from each state? And would it even make it a moot point for Wyoming to even go at that point? You know, if, even if we take these numbers from the 70s, 55 from the Golden State, like I said, I can't, I can't nail down a, a number from the live free or die state, but 
when they have 400 members just in their house, I'm sure they're not gonna wanna pick six people like we have in our rules. So food for thought. I wanna know what the answers are to those questions. Thank you, Senator. We'll take a question from Senator Case and then maybe go back to Senator Larson. Senator Case. Thank you so much, Mr. Chairman. We are mighty. Wyoming is mighty. We may be the smallest state, but we are mighty because we could be one of 13. There were 13 original colonies, 13 states can stop the results of a constitutional convention. 13, that's all it takes. It takes three-fourths of the states to ratify a constitutional convention action. So, uh, Mr. Chairman, that means it takes uh, one quarter, 13 states to stop it. I'm good with that. Mr. Chairman, we can't fix this at the ballot box. There's no way. Because it's not the elected representative that caused the problems. They've caused plenty, but they haven't caused our form of government to stray from the little pocket constitution that we all know into the expanded constitution that we have today. That took the Supreme Court, and I don't want to beat on them, because they've done some really amazing things. I was trying to think this morning, um, uh, Chief Justice John Marshall, in the early 1800s, I think it was 1819, there was a court case about whether the United States of America could have a bank or not. There had already been one bank, and then they kind of canceled it, and then they put one, uh, they established a national bank in the state of Maryland. Uh, said, we're going to tax that bank. We don't think that that bank is part of the original purpose of the pocket constitution because it doesn't say the word banks. So the Supreme Court, under John Marshall, uh, decided the case of McCullough versus Maryland. And in McCullough versus Maryland, they said that a national bank was part of the necessary and proper requirements of a constitution, uh, of the constitution to be able to effectuate our government. They made lots of analogies about things like we need to pay the army in distant places, we need a commissary, we need, we need a bank. States said, no, you don't need a bank. Constitution's this thick. We didn't authorize a bank. Well, the court said a bank's okay. And, they, and that was the end of it because they'd already established judicial review in Marbury versus Madison. It came a few years earlier. I don't elect the people in the Supreme Court, Mr. Mr. Uh, Chairman. You don't elect the people in the Supreme Court. They're appointed. They're appointed for life. I think that's a good system. I'm not even criticizing those decisions. Mr. Chairman, they were landmark decisions that formed the framework of our government today. But that meant that this little book was expanded by the decisions, which I'm going to represent with this book. And so there's a little bit more there. We do not elect the Supreme Court. We cannot select this at the ballot box. We have to hope for people to die and elect a person that appoints them. 
I don't think that's a very good system. And it hasn't worked very well. So we've gone from the, you know what, every Supreme Court decision is, is uh, it tends to be expansionary, I suppose, Mr. Chairman, and each one on the increment might make a lot of sense to some of us, some of us it doesn't. But government grows, the boundaries of the federal government have grown. The necessary proper clauses allow that to happen. Court rulings have allowed that to happen. The only way to reverse a court decision is to change the text of the Constitution. Now there's where we got a ballot box problem, because the two things that can propose to change the text of the Constitution are the United States Congress and the states of the United States of America. Now there is a ballot box issue on that one. I give you that one. We could elect members of Congress and, and the Senate that would decide to change the Constitution, that would put forth constitutional changes to, to limit government. You know, we have things about, well, have we expanded the War Powers Act so that really war is occurring without a declaration of Congress? Are we concerned about our fiscal responsibility? The thing is, though, the interpretation is by the courts, and we don't elect the courts. Our biggest, strongest stick is the ability to say that we want change. And so, Mr. Chairman, uh, I don't know about you, but it seems that people get elected to Congress. They're kind of like people that get elected to the Wyoming legislature. They campaign and run around and say, they're going to come down here and we're going to fix this and fix that and fix that. And you find out it's not as easy as you thought. And that there's some of the old dogs that are down there and they're pretty dug in. Can't get them to move. And, and uh, it's probably the same thing in Congress, Mr. Chairman, but that doesn't seem to be a satisfactory solution because everybody we send there says they're going to do something and they get caught up in a morass. It's a sticky morass. You know, our forefathers thought that, that the, uh, serving in the Congress of the United States would be kind of a part-time job. You'd be a citizen legislature. They, 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 really, they really believe that. It is so far from that. And they kind of forgot about listening to us a little bit. They do. They're good people. We let good people. They're good to our state. But it's a very complicated job. Just like each one of us, when we were first elected, with all these ideas about how simple it would be to change things, found out it was a lot more complicated than you thought. But we do have the ability to call a constitutional convention. And I think it'd be really healthy. I think it'd be good for the country. When the first constitutional convention happened and we had a constitution that had to be proposed and ratified by uh, the states, Mr. Chairman, that was the most exciting time on this continent. Great debates were held about the constitution. Coffee shops, or tea shops maybe at that time, or maybe we were, we were done with tea and we're going to coffee now. They, that was the topic of the day. Learned treatises were published in the newspapers of the time and people sat down and they debated, and it was good for America. I think the same thing could happen again. We could propose this, and if, um, you know, we could have a debate about whether things are gonna go, and I think it's gonna be kind of a tweaking. There's lots of good still in the Constitution. There's so much good, nobody wants to throw it away. We just say, you went a little too far in this. We didn't expect to have debt like this. We didn't expect 
um, people to serve for so long. We want restraint. We don't want to throw this thing out. We love it. We just want tweaks. And I think that it's only would be tweaks that what the states would agree to. Because it takes 38 states that would have to agree to those tweaks. States like Western states, like us, that have the same kind of fundamental. We're with Utah and Idaho and Montana and North Dakota, South Dakota. I can get up to 13 states with strong, conservative, Western values about personal feelings pretty fast. Those are the people, just like the 13 colonies, will make sure that this isn't a runaway. It's going to be okay, Mr. Chairman. Let's try this out. Because allowing the courts to have, you know, and it's, in, it's established in the Constitution, but everything has its time and movement. And now we need to say, courts, we, don't like, we think you've gone a little too far. And members of Congress, we think you need to pay a little bit more attention to us. And we're one of three quarters of the states that support that, or if we don't like it, we're one of 13 that says, no way. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator. We'll go back to Senator Larson to answer a few, and then we'll go back to the floor. Senator Larson. Mr. Chairman, thank you. And thank uh, the good Senator from the middle of the state for his uh, good, uh, good talk there. This is, uh, we need to go forward. We don't need to be fearful. I think of, of this convention of states, it's not a convention of delegates, it's a convention of states, the states are calling it. We need to go forward and be, uh, not be fearful of the convention. We need to be fearful of where our nation is headed right now. How much longer can we last at uh, just unlimited spending? When are we gonna take it and say, you can't do that anymore. Somebody's gotta pay for this. Our grandkids, our kids, who knows? I, uh, I call the question. Senator Driscoll, or Mr. President. Questions, I'm not gonna do a, a big speech. I'm standing between you and dinner time. So, We've had a lot of fear out here and a lot of talk about what ifs and what nots. The, uh, good colleague from Bates Creek, one from down here in this country, we talk about, what about someone tries to bring 400 people? Let's talk about what Article 5 says. It says each state gets one vote. You can bring as many as you want. Bring them all, but you get one vote. Each state gets one vote. Congress can't change that. Constitution can't change that. It says each state gets their vote. It's just the same. And does it seem unfair to some of the big states? Yeah. Guess what else seems that way? You ever heard of the Electoral College? Wonder, ever wonder why Wyoming gets two senators and everyone else gets more because of the population? We're in the same type deal here. We're in a time that is unparalleled to do this. So if you take a good look, 32 states are red now, 32. They're Republican controlled. 
If you ever wanted a time when you had a shot to do it, this is as big as we've got. They're red, and they're pretty dang red. Uh, it's really interesting. I mean, it's fearful as heck going to a constitutional convention. I agree. The what ifs are incredible. You've heard them all around the room. What if, what if, it's really terrible. Uh, what if they change the rules? Well, guess who sets the rules? Rules are set by the delegates. Each state gets one vote to do the rules. If you don't like it, you walk away. We've been through all of that. So my end is this. You have to understand, we get one vote, so do the big states. That doesn't change. That you can have, We can have three delegates, but our three delegates together have to come up with one vote. If they can't agree, they've got a problem. We've sideboarded them. Imagine this. There's a lot of reasons not to do it. But we can all see where the federal government's heading. You've heard arguments about the courts. You've heard arguments, Mr. Chairman, about money. You've heard arguments about term limits. Close your eyes and vision this. You're on an airplane. There's 30 of us in the airplane. And you feel a bump and you go to the front and the pilot's slumped over the wheel dead and the plane's kind of cruising towards the ground. You go back and say, guess I'll buckle my seatbelt and see if the plane will land. Or do you actually push the guy out of the way and try to get hold of the yoke and see if you know how to fly a plane? And the answer is you don't know how. And you've got a reasonable chance of crashing and killing all the rest of you. One thing's guaranteed, go back and buckle your seatbelt and I'll tell you what the result will be. You're all gonna be splattered on the ground. Not taking any action is the worst action you can take. That's the worst action you can take because you know what the results are. Does anyone in here think we can continue doing what we're doing on a federal level and come out of it? So what's the other solution? What, what do you wanna do? So either buckle up and die, get behind the yoke and see if you can fly. Because that's really your only options. We talk about great countries and they write themselves. I'm gonna tell you a story about another one. You can travel to Rome and see a lot of pillars and stuff. And that country looked a lot like ours at one time. And if you wanna look at history, be prepared to be scared, ethically, morally, Financially, we're following that great empire to the same seat when the plane wrecks. I encourage you to try to do something. If you don't, expect for sure you will get a result that you don't like. Thank you, Senator. Uh, Senator Ide. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks for all of the debate here. I'm learning a lot of watched this issue for a long time, back and forth, a lot of really good arguments, both sides. I like the language in here, you know, makes the, makes the legislature, uh, state legislatures, the guardians of liberty. I love, I love that. I'm just not, I'm not there. I, I, you know, I think the solution is in article six and nobody's enforcing that. I mean, that's, that's where, you know, if we could force the Congress to follow Article 6, we would lower spending by about 80%, and that's not happening. And um, I, I applaud the bringer of the bill. I've, he's worked hard on this. 
Uh, I agree with a lot of it. I'm just, you know, like Antonin Scalia said, I don't know if this is the right century to have a, a convention. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Senator. L let's try to wrap this up with a few more. Uh, Senator Rothfuss. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. On and against the Constitutional Convention, and we certainly have been through this a few times, but again, my beliefs haven't changed that the Constitution, the document, this incredible product of our founding fathers that really were exceptional, amazingly learned scholars that studied, that worked, that compromised, that poured countless hours into crafting a constitution for a country that has withstood the test of time. That document, Mr. Chairman, just does not strike me as the problem. When I look at the problems we have, when I look at the challenges this country faces, when I look at the partisanship, the polarization, the acrimony, the consternation, all of the challenges come down to, regrettably, the people, the humans, the human nature, their implementation of an exceptional system that is not in accordance with the vision of our founding fathers. If we just read the book and do what it says, follow the instruction manual that was handed to us back in the late 1700s, I think we'd be in pretty good shape. But we heard in earlier speeches today that, hey, this is a great time to do it because we've got the right number of red states, so the right party's going to win. Well, there, therein lies the problem. That's it right there. Shouldn't be about red and blue and who wins and who loses. It should be about the American people. And when we're at a time that is so incredibly politically divided that we want to go in and amend the Constitution wholesale so that we can get our political way advanced, that might not be the time to start looking for amendments to the Constitution, Mr. Chairman. The other thing I would say is I think back a few years ago to the only vaguely similar experience I had, which was our special session of the legislature, not even close to a constitutional convention. But what did we do? Special session. First thing we'll do is we'll set up narrow rules that establish exactly what we'll cover so that we'll only talk about a few things. There were three bills. It shall be limited to three bills. It'll take more than a supermajority to possibly, Mr. Chairman, introduce more than three bills. So we immediately dealt with four bills. Step one, establish rules. Step two, immediately violate those rules. Then, don't worry, don't worry about the fact that you have this fourth bill. It was declared by one chamber, at least, that it was out of order, so that goes away. All right, well, we'll amend it into one of the other bills in clear violation of the Wyoming Constitution, and then we'll uphold that because it was handy. So my experience firsthand, limited though it may be, 
is that when you establish a rule set as a group of humans with specific interests, you might not necessarily follow those rules when a vote is what determines whether you are or are not following those rules. I just, Mr. Chairman, don't think it's going to play out as well as we hope. And my final concern, Mr. Chairman, is this, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If we have a hundred exceptional people, a couple from each state, for example, that we would entrust to redraft the U.S. Constitution, I would suggest that rather than having them redraft the Constitution, we just send them to Washington, D.C. as our senators to craft good laws and work together. We can do that. We just haven't. I don't know why we would be able to put together a constitutional convention of enlightened, educated, thoughtful luminaries that get along well together and draft something better than what our forefathers did when we can't even get legislation passed through Congress with the folks that we vote as our duly elected officials at this point in time. I am at least heartened, Mr. Chairman, by my good friend from Fremont County and the fact that it takes a supermajority to pass something as a constitutional amendment. Any 13 states could object, but if there's one thing I do have experience with, Mr. Chairman, it's being on the small side of a supermajority. And I have firsthand knowledge that a super-duper majority still doesn't always get it right. My apologies to the super-duper majority. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Good senators were, were about... Question. Question. I, let me get my sins out. Good senators that uh, are not on the floor, if you want to vote on this, I welcome you back into the chamber because we're going to vote on this. So, so the question being called, um, all those in favor of Senator Case's motion that when the Committee of the Whole rises to report, that it do so with favorable recommendation of Senate Joint Resolution Number 11, please say aye. Aye. Those opposed, no? Stand up if you are an I, please. Those, oh, was she standing? Sandy now. Those that say no, please stand.
Senate, or Senate Joint Resolution Number 11. You can be seated. Senate Joint Resolution Number 11 has passed the Committee of the Whole. The vote total was 18 for, 12 against. This has been the podcast version of COS Live. Check out more content at conventionalstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.